We are concluding our series today on um, Be a Wise Guy. And if you are going to put something on social media, please use that hashtag, Be a Wise Guy, so we can see what you post. And um, if you would like sermon notes, you guys already know about all this, but if you're new to the church, maybe you haven't heard, you can send an email to the address that's on the screen, and we will send you the sermon notes, the full uh, manuscript of sermon notes. i got to tell you one more time, uh, we just got to say thank you to our creative arts team. We got to say thank you to Pastor Jared and his team. I got to tell you something, guys. This stage looks awesome. It looks awesome. <clears throat> we had a lot of guests, uh, of course, for the Christmas Eve service. Um, there aren't many churches in our culture, in this area, that have a Christmas Eve service, and I'm so glad that we do. It was uh, filled uh, almost to capacity in the first service, Saturday, and um, was it Saturday? No, Thursday. <laughs> Thursday, I'm sorry. Wow. Yesterday was Saturday. Let me, somebody give me a pen. Let me write that down. Um, but almost to capacity in the first service and a huge crowd in the second service, and I appreciate everybody who came, but a lot of people who have never been to our church came to those services. And, you know, I tell you guys this all the time. People who don't come to church normally will come to church a lot of times in a service like that. And you guys got out there and invited them, and they came. And a lot of them were moved by the service and saw church in a way maybe they've never seen church before. And our prayer is that if they are searching for a church and, and are ready to get in a church, ready to find out who God is and what the Bible's all about, that uh, will be an option for them. But the good thing about our community, and I say this all the time and I really mean it, is that we have awesome churches in our community. We have great pastors and great leaders and a lot of different flavors of church that are all lifting Jesus up. And isn't that what's most important? And, uh, you know, we, Millie and I were talking about, you know, churches having different flavors. And Millie said ours was Neapolitan. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we got a little bit of everything going on here. So I uh, love the music this morning, the more traditional songs, just awesome, brought back great memories. And I love that new song today at the end, Noel, I'd never heard that before. Very, very powerful. And I just appreciate our worship team and I appreciate our creative team and our media guys. And I know I mentioned this, but guys, I'm telling you, if you just knew what went into getting ready here for every service, uh, you'd be so appreciative. And I know you are appreciative, uh, but I just want to say a big thank you to those guys. So far in this series, the wise men have taught us four things about how to worship Jesus at Christmas time. They've taught us that we should allow God to develop in us, create in us, a heartfelt desire for Him. And then we found out that we should pray for God to give us a heart of expectation so that we will see greater things, greater miracles, supernatural acts of God in our life. And then we talked about joy, the power of joy, and how that joy ushers in the presence of God, how that joy is the greatest advertisement for being a Christian, and um, how it's important in worshiping God. We talked about on our Christmas Eve service this past Thursday that 
we are to be givers, that we are to bring gifts to the Savior. Be a giver, not a taker. And we are to uh, not only be a receiver of all God has for us, but we are to ask ourselves, as the wise men did, what do I bring Jesus? What do I give to Jesus? Yes, worship is about receiving from God. Every time I worship God, I receive from Him. But God not only wants me to receive, but He wants gifts from me. And we talked about the significance of the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. And we're going to talk about two more qualities today as we close this series. And the fifth one we're going to talk about is that the wise men teach us that we are to possess a humble heart, a heart of humility. Let's define humility. Let's define humbleness, what it means to be humble. I love what the great Dr. Adrian Rogers said about humility. He said, humility is not thinking lowly of yourself. Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. That's what real humility is. And we are being called on in this message today to make a decision to choose to have a humble heart. It's quite a moment in history when you think about what's going on here in Matthew chapter 2. These great men, these wise men from the east show up in Bethlehem and listen to this, they bow down before a baby. Great men, great, intelligent, brilliant, we called them the kingmakers of their day, bow down to this baby. What a moment in history. Matthew 2.11, let's look at it. Matthew 2.11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, here it is, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They recognized that they were in the presence of someone great. I don't know if the wise men fully understood who Jesus was, but I think they knew, of course, that he was a king. We talked about in that, that in the bringing of the gold. You say, well, I choose to believe they knew who Jesus was. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But they knew at least that this was a special person. This was a unique person. This was a person there had never been anyone like him before, and they bowed down in his presence. They were in the presence of deity, and they bowed down. They humbled themselves. Like the wise men, true worship for us here today, here's when it happens. Here's when true worship happens for you, and true worship happens for me. When we recognize that we are in the presence of deity and we bow down before him. And here's the fact. You are always in the presence of deity. There is never a moment of any day that you are not in the presence of deity. The Bible says that the God we serve has many incredible attributes. One of them is, here's a big theological word for you, omnipresence. That means God is everywhere all the time. Some of you are thinking right now, you mean that God was with me this morning when I was beating my children on the way to church? Yes. 
and he liked it. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's always with us. I don't know about you, but I like to know he's with me when I'm really, really good. But when I'm not so good, which is very rare, and Miss Millie would be the one to tell you how rare that is. Matter of fact, I tell you what, don't even ask her about it. Don't even ask her about it today. Trust me on this. You know, I love it when I'm being good and I go, I'm in God's presence. But you know what? We're in his presence all the time. There's never a time we're not in his presence. You know, a lot of times I think we believe that when we come here, we're in his presence. Or when we're serving, maybe we're in his presence. Or when we're reading our Bible, we're in his presence. Or when we're praying, we're in his presence. We're always in his presence. And God wants us to have that awareness, have that realization, and humble ourselves before him. When I think about the humility of the wise men, it reminds me of another person in the Christmas story who probably is the ultimate picture of humility in this whole thing. And that's Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, think about it. How humble was she? I just jotted down a couple things. First of all, let's read Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Mary responded, everybody say the yellow, I am the Lord's servant. You're the Lord's mama too, girl. But she said, she saw her first, herself first as a servant. As a servant of God, she said, I am the Lord's servant. And then look at this statement of obedience. May everything you have said, this was the angel, this is her response to the angel who told her she was going to have a little baby. May everything you have said about me, what? Everybody say it. Come true. Look at that obedience. Look at that yieldedness. Look at that humility. Look at that surrender. Here is this young girl told by an angel that she's going to have a baby even though she had never been with a man. This baby was to be not just any baby but the savior of the world. There had to be so many things when she heard that that she did not understand. As a matter of fact, you can read the story. Please don't read it now. I'm preaching. But read it later. She had questions she didn't understand. She was like, how in the world can this be? What are you talking about? There's no way. I mean, she had natural questions. But then after she had, had got those questions out and heard the response, and she said, let this be. Let this thing you have said, may everything you have said about me come true. She was saying, I'm honored. Listen to this. She was saying, I humble myself. I surrender myself to the will of God, even though she didn't understand it all. She humbled herself and said yes to God. That's the lesson for today. To humble yourself even though you don't understand and say yes to God. A lot of you sitting here today are going through things you do not understand. You're going through things you can't make sense of. Here's what God wants you to do. Here's what God wants me to do. And I'm not saying it's easy. But he wants me to humble myself and say yes to him. And that's what Mary did. Humility 
is trusting God and His love enough to say yes even in the time of confusion. To say, I trust you, God. So I say yes to you. I'm perplexed. I'm a little confused. I don't get it all. I don't see your purpose in this. I don't really know what's going on with all this. But you know what, God? I trust you. I know that you always have my best interest at heart. And it always is harmful in my relationship with you and in my life when I say no to what I know your will is. And it is always good for me when I say yes to your revealed will. I remember when I was in Bible college preparing for the ministry, we found a very simple definition for faith. And the definition of faith I learned when I was about 19 years old was this, saying yes to the revealed will of God. When you know God's will, when he's revealed his will, and he reveals his will to us in a lot of ways, but his will is always revealed in his written word. And God may say a particular word to you that he wants you to perform or he wants you to do. And when you trust him, even though you don't get it, and you say, you know what, God? Yes, yes. It is a positive response to the revealed will of God. You know what? Why don't we do that right now? Why don't you right there just bow your head? Would you do that? I know this is unusual, but will you just bow your head? And you don't have to say it out loud, but in your heart, will you just say, Lord, I humble myself. I humble myself before you on this, the last Sunday of the year. And I say yes to you. I say yes to you. Amen. Amen. Let that be your theme this year. Trust God. Don't hold back. Trust Him. Maybe you need to say yes to God in the area of forgiveness. I mean forgiveness for you from Him. Where you would say, yes, God, I recognize you died for my sins. You died so I could be forgiven. And yes, God, I accept the gift of your forgiveness in my life. Really, That's what salvation is. That's what salvation is. When you recognize what he did on the cross for you, you recognize that he rose from the dead to give you eternal life. You recognize that is a gift to you, forgiveness of your sin, justification, you being made right with God, and you say, yes, yes, God, I receive your forgiveness. It's an act of humility. You're saying, God, instead of doing it my way, instead of figuring out, things in my human logic, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust the way you've provided. I'm going to trust the path you've laid out for me. That kind of humility is met by his love. When you're humble in that way, he reveals his love to you in ways you've never seen it by forgiving you of your sins and giving you eternal life in heaven. What a day that will be. But maybe you need to humble yourself and not only say yes to him and receiving his forgiveness, but maybe you need to say yes to him about a change in some relationship in your life. You know, we want to be with unbelievers for the purpose of letting them see Jesus in us. But we want to be very careful about being with unbelievers who pull us away from God. And so as you go into this new year, look at your relationships.
Now, don't misunderstand me. We are not those holier-than-thous who don't want to be with people who aren't holy like us. I'm not saying that. Jesus was accused all the time of being with sinners and hanging around sinners and hanging around unbelievers. They called him a glutton and a wine-bibber because Jesus loved to be social with those who did not receive him, did not understand him, had not accepted him. So when I say that we need to be careful about our relationships, I'm not talking about this spiritual isolation, this holier-than-thou again spirit or attitude, but I'm talking about making sure that the relationships you have in your life this year are relationships that are bringing you toward Christ. And if you're in relationship with unbelievers, that you're the one having influence that you're the one demonstrating Christ to them and they're following you, they're listening to you rather than you following them and being pushed away from God, drifting away from God. Or maybe there's some situation in your life and you need to say yes to God. Maybe God's spoken to you about some situation you need to get out of or some situation you need to put aside or, or some connection you have that's not good for you spiritually or in a, in a spiritually healthy way. And so you need to look at that situation and make some decisions and say, you know what? I'm going to humble myself to the will of God there. And I'm going to give this thing to God. You might need to humble yourself and say yes to him in something he's calling you to do ministry-wise. I will tell you that next week is Vision Sunday. And next week I'm going to be giving a message, a one-part message on some actions, some initiatives, some steps that I believe the bridge can take that will take us to an HNL. How many of you know what that is? Everybody say it. Whole nother level, yes. Bad English, good preaching. So what is God calling you to do this year? What is God calling you to do this new year? What is your ministry role? And you might be sitting there going, you know, I'm waiting for this job to open up or I'm waiting for that job to open up. How many of you remember what Jesus said? He that is faithful in that which is least will be faithful in much. Be willing to serve in those places of greatest need and then God will open up your sweet spot of ministry. Did y'all get that? How many of y'all heard me say that before? Serve where you're needed. Serve where the greatest area of need is and then when God sees your humility and willing to serve in places that it really takes humility to serve in, then God will open other doors for you if you're faithful in the little things he will give you opportunity to do the great things. I tell you this, I think sometimes the things we think are little things are really to him very big things. Matter of fact, I think when we get to heaven, I think Billy Graham might be at the end of the line while nursery workers are first in the rewards. Come on, amen. Thank God for our nursery uh, volunteers and, and ministers. They're really more than volunteers. When you serve here at the bridge, you're really far more than a volunteer. You're a servant of God. You're a minister. No matter what you do, you're a minister. That's why Jesus girded himself with a towel and washed the feet of men he created. He wanted, us, he wanted to show us the greatest acts that draw us near to him, that touch his heart. 
So here's the deal. Saying yes to Jesus is a very humble act. And I know that's simple. I know that concept is very simple. But you know what? A lot of us have never really said an abandoning yes to Jesus. We've said, okay, all right, I'll do that. Okay, all right, I'll obey you in that. I'll go this far. But we've never really with abandon said, yes, there's an old song we should sing, yes, Lord, yes. I'll do what you've called me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be who you want me to be. There's something about humbling yourself before God's greatness that hits your emotions. You become emotional sometimes in ways you didn't expect. I remember times in my life when I was pushing back against God and then I just couldn't push back anymore. And kind of like old uh, Jacob when he wrestled with that angel. You remember Jacob, his name, do you remember what his name meant back in the book of Genesis? Tricker, supplanter, schemer. I mean, Jacob was always trying to outmaneuver everybody in his life. And he was really, in a lot of cases, tried to outmaneuver God. And he, he loved God. He wanted that birthright. And you'll need to read that to understand that story. But there was something about old Jacob that was even, even more godly than his brother Esau. And again, I would challenge you to read that story. But there's this scene in the Bible where he's left alone with an angel of the Lord. And most theologians believe that is a pre-incarnate or pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus on the earth. How many of you know Jesus didn't start in Bethlehem? Y'all do know that. Jesus, what, always has been and he was here in the Old Testament as well. As a matter of fact, the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus created, was here at creation. There is no beginning to him. There is no end to him. <clears throat> but a lot of theologians believe, most I would say, believe that that angel of the Lord Jacob wrestled with was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. And I've wrestled with God, and you've wrestled with God, and we've pushed back on God. And, and the Bible says that finally, y'all know this, I bring it up often when I'm preaching because it's such a great example. He finally said, when the angel said, leave me alone, which the angel didn't really mean that, the angel was going, leave me alone, don't leave me alone. Leave me alone, don't leave me alone. How many of y'all felt God do that? Yeah, I'm tired of you. No, I'm not. Come here, come here, come here. And so Jacob put his arms around that angel, or I picture it that way, and he made a statement. How many of you know what he said? I will not let you go until you bless me. He stopped pushing back. He stopped arguing. He stopped scheming. He stopped planning. He stopped saying, well, God, I won't do that, but I'll do this. God, I can't go that far, but I tell you what, God, I'll make a deal with you. I'll go this far. And what we're being called on to do here today is to finally surrender and understand that we would choose God's will for ourselves if we had the good sense to choose it. And so when you finally surrender, emotions take over. I'm an emotional guy. You guys know that. Very emotional, you know, when you surrender to God. I don't know what happens to you, but there have been moments in my life when I've been pushing back and pushing back, and finally I went, why am I pushing back? And I said, yes, Lord. And when I said yes, tears bursted out. Now, I'm not saying tears always mean you're having some encounter with God. I mean, you know, you can get some bad collard greens before you go to bed. That'll make you cry. 
But I'm just saying that often in prayer and worship and when you're working things out with God and God's working in your life, and I know some of you are there right now, when you finally go, you know what, God? Yes. No qualifications, no conditions. Yes, Lord, yes, here I am. A lot of times when you do that and it's from the heart, tears begin to flow. And I'm not a guy that's a lot about emotion and feeling because I know that'll let you down. But I've made that statement to God in my heart and even out loud. And I feel that chill go up and down my spine. I'm not saying that's the Holy Spirit. I think that's me. But it's that sense in me of stop pushing back against God. Uh, a lot of times I felt a wash of calmness come over me when I finally said yes to God. When I finally just gave in and humbled myself before him. It's a feeling, it's an emotion that says, I finally stopped pushing back. I finally stopped fighting against him. I finally stopped offering him substitutes for my full obedience. I mean, it's a relief when you humble yourself before God. Let me ask you a question. We'll take a vote right here. How many of you in your relationship with God have had times when you're pushing back against God and you finally give in? And when you do, it is not fear or anxiety, it's relief. When you finally said, yes, Lord, I'll be that person. I'll do that thing. I'll follow through. Why is it such a relief when you finally humble yourself before God? Why is that? Because when you humble before God, when you humble yourself before God, listen to this. You reconnect with him. You reconnect. When you finally abandon your logic and you abandon your reasoning and you abandon your whole idea of, God, I'm not going to give you that, but I'll give you this. When you abandon all that and you just say, God, here's my life. You can have me. Do what you want to through me. There's a reconnection with God that is deeper and further than any connection you've had with him up to that point. When you humble yourself, you're recognizing who you are. You're connecting with the greatness of God. And when you connect with the greatness of God, you're affected in ways you didn't expect. This is the fruit of a humble heart. When those wise men humbled themselves and followed that star that led them to Jesus, by doing that, it brought them right into the presence of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the God-man. And their response was to humble themselves even further when they got there and bowed down before him. Let's look at the final thing they teach us. They teach us obedience, these wise men do. The sixth thing that I see in Matthew chapter 12, 2, verses 1 through 12 is I see these wise men teaching us to have a heart of obedience. It all culminates, it all culminates, all this whole thing of worship and all of this whole thing of, let's go back and go through those uh, steps again, the, the heart of desire, the expectant heart, the joyful heart, the giving heart, the humble heart, it all culminates in this word, obedience, doing it doing what he said, being who he called you to be. When we worship God in humility, you know what God does? He shows us our next step. When we humble ourselves, he shows us our next step. You know what? A lot of us are going, man, I've been seeking God. You know, I kind of feel like I'm stuck. I 
kind of feel like I'm just, you know, treading water. Kind of feel like I'm stuck in the mud. I really can't get going spiritually. You know what that usually means? I wouldn't be afraid to say it's what it always means. Is that when you fully humble yourself before him, he'll show you the next step. If God isn't showing you the next step, maybe it's not time, quite time to take that step. But I found that when I finally stop pushing back, I know what the next thing is for me. I know where God wants me to go. Look at it, Matthew 2 and 12. The Bible says, and having been warned in a dream, this is God bringing revelation to these wise men and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. Remember old King Herod? They were going to go back the same route, but because they had humbled themselves before God, they knew what their next step was. And it wasn't what they had planned. That's a good place to say amen right there. They returned to their country. Everybody say those last three words. By another route, by a different way. Something supernatural happens in true worship. It always changes the direction of your life for the good. When you get real with God, when you worship Him, not just outwardly, but with every part of your being, when you humble yourself before Him, I'm telling you, it will change the direction of your life and it will always be for the better. How many of you know that God is never going to bring anything into your life that doesn't result in you being a better person, more like him. I'm not saying you're not going to suffer because i got to tell you something. Suffering often draws us nearer to him. Going through difficulty is the thing that has drawn me closer to him than any other thing. You know, when God does good things for me, I want to be thankful. I try to be thankful. I try to remember how how blessed I am and how thankful I am. But i got to tell you, when trouble comes, boy, that's when you get real, isn't it? That's when you get on your face. You come into his presence one way and you leave a different way. That's what happened to these wise men. We, they came into his presence through one route, but when they were in his presence, they went a different way. When you come into his presence, you're going to be one way. When you go away from that situation, you're going to be going a better way. Happens to me all the time. I come in and I'm on the selfish route. Now y'all look real holy because you hear me talking about me. But I'm on the selfish route. I'm just thinking about myself. I'm thinking about how somebody hurt me or somebody did me wrong. But something happens in prayer. Something happens in my time with God. Something happens in my worship. And I get changed over to the serving route. It's an amazing thing. When I come into the presence of God, I don't just see my way anymore. I see the perspective of others. And it causes me to have compassion for them and think about them and how I can serve them. I know it shocks you all to hear this, but sometimes I come into his presence with a bad attitude, that bad attitude route. And I'm critical. And I'm negative. And I'm fault-finding. But when I get real with him in worship, something happens. Something changes. Just like those wise men. They came in one way, but after being with him, they went out a different way. 
It causes me to go out with a refreshed attitude. And instead of an attitude of fault-finding and criticism and negativism, I go out with an attitude of faith, believing, expecting God to do something great in my life. Sometimes I come into his presence with worry. We just did a series on worry. And I'm worried when I come into his presence. Sometimes I can hardly pray because I'm so worried about the thing that's happening. But something happens in worship. And my level of confidence in him rises. Here's the amazing thing about that. Nothing changed other than me and his work in me and my perspective. I got to tell you, when I get away from him, my perspective is messed up. And when I get close to him, my perspective clears up. The Bible talks about that. The Bible says, talks about our understanding. If you want understanding, you draw near to him. If you want confusion, you drift away from him. Sometimes I come into his presence with tunnel vision. And I'm just looking at what's right in front of me. I'm looking at the present situation and the present condition. But something happens in worship and God helps me to see beyond my present situation. He helps me to see him and he speaks to my heart and reminds me, hey, I know what it looks like now, but I've got plans beyond this. I love that scripture that says what? This too shall That's out of context, but hallelujah, I'm glad stuff passes, aren't you? I'm glad we don't remain where we are many times. God says, I've got plans for you, Pharaoh. I know this is happening right now. I know this is going on right now. I know you can't even imagine how to put one foot in front of the other at this point. But listen, you've got to look beyond the current situation. You've got to look beyond that tunnel vision you've let yourself get into. I've got great things planned for you. When you trust him, it changes the route of your life. And it always changes you for the best. When you trust him and when you act on what he said to do, then you can expect some great results in your life from that trust. The fruit of obedience is not not always immediate. So, you know, it's kind of like when you plant a seed, you don't run back out to the garden the next day and go, all right, I planted you. We know it takes what? Remember the little lesson we teach on sowing and planting, or planting and sowing? You always reap what you sow. You always reap later than you sow. You always reap more than you sow. So focus on that middle part there. It always takes time. Listen, our pushing back against God and our disobedience slowly through a process gets us in a mess. Well, then we realize we've gotten ourselves in that mess, so we start trusting and we start believing, and that takes time, too, to get us back in that place where God can do great things in our life. Something great is coming when you trust him. Something great is coming when you obey him. So what have the wise men taught us? They've taught us that we should allow God to create in us a desire for him. We've learned that God can create in us a heart of expectation so that we expect supernatural acts. We expect him to show up in our life. We've learned that there is power in joy 
And when we come before him with a joyful spirit, no matter what our circumstances, he shows up. We found out that we should come bearing gifts. Yeah, we're going to receive from him. Don't worry about that. I promise you're going to receive. But what are you giving? What are you giving, Jesus? And then today, humility, that humble heart, they bowed before him. These great men, these kingmakers, bowed before this baby. And then finally, they obeyed. They came in one way. He ministered to them. God ministered to them through a dream. They left a different way. And that's how it is with him. You come in one way, you leave a better way. If they had gone back the way they were going to go back, they probably would have lost their lives. But God sent them a better way, and God has a better way for every one of you here today. Can we all stand together? You know, one of the benefits of um, having a few less than we normally do is we get to just walk up here to the altar. Will you do that with me right now? Will everybody just walk up here? And let's close this service in the altar as we give God this new year coming up.